excuse me, are we on? Oh, I think so. Thank you. Hello, it's Paul. It's Nessa. It's Paul and Nessa's Happy Hour. A sketch comedy podcast with added stuff and nonsense. Do you know how much longer episode 18 lasts? We took the best of all the other comedy podcasts and tested it against episode 18. The other podcasts lasted pretty well, but episode 18 did much more. On average, 50% more. And of course, it's still as rough and swearier as ever. Episode 18, not just a little better, 50% better. I'm comedian Judy Profiterole. You know, I was talking to my other feminist lesbian comedian friend the other day and we were just saying how annoying it is when you get an itchy or irritated vag. You know the feeling. Walking along as a woman, minding your own business, being a woman, minding your own business, maybe buying makeup or asparagus for your husband's tea when he gets home from his important job and just minding your own business. When all of a sudden, your fanny is itchier than a tramp's vest. Well, not anymore. Why not do what I do and use Clit Bang? Clit Bang is a new, more soothing product for your lady garden area, made from friendly yoghurt, rainbows and the tears of tiny little kittens. But happy tears, not sad ones. Clit Bang will instantly soothe away the itch in your snatch and put an end to the JJ dryness. Try it today. Clit Bang. Bang. And the thrush is gone. Welcome to another bloody Paul and Nessa's happy hour. <laughs> yes, we're still here. Sounds like you're not, though. <laughs> we refuse to go away. We do. We certainly do. Um, now, we've got loads of stuff, loads more stuff packed into this episode for you. Yep. We've got more sketches than usual, as well as all the stupid stuff and nonsense. Yep. So I think we should just get on with it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Hello. I'm Frank Drillbit. And I'm Veronica Bleach. And this is Newspipe, the hard-hitting investigative show that yanks back the choke collar of news and says in a deep voice, Bad dog. Tonight, we shine a light on a global phenomenon and talk to the man behind it and the devastating effect it has left on him. Thomas Edison businessman, entrepreneur and America's greatest inventor. The man who revolutionised electric power generation and who gave light to the world. Mr Edison, hello. Hello, Veronica. Now, you are widely credited with the invention of the light bulb. That's right, Veronica, I am. And you say that it has brought you abject misery ever since. Well, there's something incredibly disheartening and, yes, I'll say it, insulting about the invention that you come up with after years of perseverance, failure, further perseverance, more failure, even more perseverance than that, then finally success, resulting in this revolutionary invention, only to have it become nothing more than the, the punchline to a, a broad-stroke, stereotypical slight on a, a particular group of people. 
Well, actually, Mr Edison, one would say that it's the setup rather than the punchline. If you're going to split hairs, I'm going to do a Bee Gees on your ass. I'm sorry, so what is it exactly that you have an issue with? Well, it's the simplicity with which it's used, you know? Uh, psychiatrists, for example. Uh, there are uh, a myriad of different ways of treating mental health these days, different branches of psychiatry, different studies, philosophies, and so forth. And to suggest that all psychiatrists just, I don't know, sit there tapping their pencil on their pad and expecting the patient to do all the work is frankly insulting to all of us. I see. Also, you know, the basic premise of the whole thing is, is fundamentally flawed. It only takes one person to change a light bulb, no matter what walk of life you're in or anything. I mean, for example, how many teachers does it take to change a light bulb? Just one. How many firefighters does it take to change a light bulb? Just one. Uh, how many Mexicans does it take to change a light bulb? Just one. Uh, oh. Uh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yeah, that that is pretty funny, isn't it? Juan, I see what you it's Juan. <laughs> well, there you go. That's it for Newspipe this week. Join us next time when we'll be speaking to the elephant hide and seek world champion, and how those footprints in the butter finally ended his reign. Goodbye. Feature time now, and it's is it okay? Is it though? Never usually is. Is it? is it okay? This is where we ask: Is it okay to do or think or say something that might be considered to be a bit un PC or just morally dubious or just plain bloody rude? Yeah, yeah. And then we'll pick the bones out of it just for stupid laughs. Paul's asking this one. Yes. Yes. Off you go then. Right. <laughs> is it okay to not be honest if you get given too much change at the bar? No. Yes, it is okay. I got it's confused. Okay. <laughs> well, that's it's been so bloody long since I've been in a bar. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Is it okay to not be in the bar? No. 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 But um, so you think it is okay to not to not be honest? So basically, if they give you too much change back, stuff around, in it. You just shove it in your pocket. <laughs> yeah. Like if you get given change for a twenty when you've only given them a tenner. Well, I'm glad you said that, right? Because this is what made me think of this. I, for some reason, I remembered the other day. You know, when we were college students back in Maidenhead, we always mm -hmm. talk about this, back in the day, 25 years ago now, do you remember oh, a, a, a pub called the Windsor Castle? Yeah. Well, I was in there one night. Right? I Funny mean, this, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me in the pub, never. Um, but it was... It was, you know, 25 years ago. So this is back in the days when pubs were flourishing. Everybody was in the pub. You could Aww. smoke in the pub and blah, 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 Aww. all of that, all of that. So, you know, anyway, it was absolutely packed, right? And I went and bought a, a, a little round, probably two or three drinks with a tenner. So I got the drinks. She went to the till and she came back and she was coming, giving us the change, but she said... It was a ten year givers, wasn't it? And I honestly, th this was <laughs> utter like bad person instinct. For some reason, I, I just it just blurted out before I'd even realised. I said, "No, it was a 20. <gasps> 
so she went and got another tenner out of the till. Oh, and give, no. So I basically, yeah, I basically, I robbed that pub of a tenner. You worked there as well at one no, point. No, no, not that one. That was oh. the one pub there in Maidenhead where I didn't work. But, I, I mean, that was wrong. That was not okay to do that. But I, I didn't give them the tenner back. Like, But <laughs> but it all went back in their till. Well, that's true, yeah. So they were yeah. just a few drip trays further down a pint. Yeah, that's true, actually. Oh, have I, I hope I've made you feel better. Your Honour. <laughs> It's okay, I fucking gave it back to them anyway, didn't I? I drank it all anyway and then I threw it up in their drain outside afterwards. <laughs> yes, you've guessed there's no escape from our fatuous and idiotic moral maze. Now then, Mr Williamson, I just need to ask you a few questions to complete your medical checkup. All righty, old doc, fire away. Sex? Uh... Infrequently. I see. Is that one word or two? Jokes that make you laugh. Jokes that make you cry. Jokes that are really, really funny. Jokes. (laughs) You're already laughing. Go on then. I'm glad you are. I'm glad somebody is. I think you're the only person who does laugh at this section. <laughs> Alright then. Alright, so I'm 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 getting there. You're building up to it. Yeah. <laughs> Christ. What do you call a pig oh. with three eyes? It's this better not be a pig. Fuck you. <laughs> Is that it? Is that it? Oh god. That's like what do you call a fish with no eyes? Oh you've j- um lit for listeners who are listening and not watching, she has genuinely folded her arms and turned her back on us. You just won't let me have this one little section, will you? You have to butt in. I'm sorry. How many times have I told you not to guess it? Yeah, but I like I'm not doing it anymore. Like... Next season, yes, next year, result. I'm not doing it anymore. That's what we call a result. Taking me jokes and I'm going home. <laughs> Puny humans, I am Makala, leader of the Graspatrons, your overlords. You left us previously under threat from a random human female who had infiltrated our headquarters. But by the power of... And the application of three distinct types of... We have captured your operative Turbo Tina and have wired her up in the chamber of death. Haven't we, Trooper? Yes, my lord, as you instructed, she is languishing in... La Chambre d'Amour. In the newly constructed French wing. Did you say Le Chambre du Mort, Trooper, or did you say Le Chambre du Amour? Yes. I see. How very reassuring. Can you read French, Trooper? Can I, or do I? Sorry, I thought I was speaking to one of my dumb troopers. Not some smart Alec René des Bloody Carts. Show me the room before I eviscerate you. This way, sir. You will understand my distrust, I'm sure. We, oui, my lord. Yes, enough of that. Although I appreciate your endeavours with the lingo trooper, I'm not convinced you fully grasped the subtle differences between La Chambre du Mort, the Chamber of Death, our upgraded torture facility, open to all, and La Chambre du Amour, the Chamber of Love, our new recreational sex room by appointment only. Here we are, sire. 
I see. <sighs> Release her. Wake up, human scum. Wow. Trooper, I was expecting to find our prisoner broken and pliant through the application of multi-phasing nerve torture. It appears instead that we have just subjected her to a grueling three-hour orgasm. I have never been so... Don't. Don't. You disgust me. Trooper, fetch a cloth and have these French door signs replaced. I don't want this sort of thing happening again. But, sire, this actually is the Chamber of Death. See? La Chambre du Mort! By Saint Cyanide, so it is. You got it right. Yay me. Which means, in that case... You can bag me up one of these torture machines to take home. Hallelujah, Mama. I'm afraid you won't be leaving here alive, woman. Did you really think that you could enter the very heart of Graspatron territory and escape again? Such bravura lack of respect. (laughs) You don't deserve any respect, Magala. You're just a posturing windbag. Posturing windbag? I spit on your puny insults. Trooper... Pass me something to spit into. Here, sire. Oh, trooper, that was my own hand. Sorry, sire. Well, don't just stand there. Wipe it off on something. Sir? Ah, Something that isn't a live terminal. Oh, yes, my lord. Sorry, my lord. So what is this place? It's our new torture facility, the Chamber of Death, in our newly refurbished French wing. Le Chambre du Mort dans l'air de Francais. Yes, yes, all right, Trooper. We don't require subtitles. Why have you gone to French wing? As a diplomatic courtesy, after they offered to twin with us. Trooper, with which French towns is the Graf Patron HQ now twinned? Nice. Brest, Lille and Avignon. Okay, leaving aside nice breast Lil, charming though she sounds, that's not Avignon, that's Avignon. Jeez, you guys are a total bunch of... What? Are we saying we've been made fools of? Again? Me? I'm saying nothing, just smiling sweetly. Trooper, call up that what's-his-name, Monsieur Le Tête de Pomme de Terre. Sire? Uh, bonjour, uh, Monsieur La Tête du Pomme de Terre speaking. Uh, how can I help you? I've rumbled your ruse, Mr. Potato Head. I'm pouring your entente cordial down the drain. Right, that's it. The Graspatrons are declaring war on the French. What about me? You can wait, Turbotina. We've got a shipment of aromatic soft cheeses to cancel for a start. Trooper, to the bridge! Sir! Well, I'm not convinced he gets his priorities right, but you can't fault his hospitality. Ah! Well, Nessa has had to leave the studio for a few minutes. Uh, She's been asked to give a keynote speech on social distancing uh, to the annual Siamese Twins Conference. (laughs) To the annual Siamese Twins Conference. It's not even funny. So so she's nipped out uh, to write a few ideas down. But not to worry, because we've we've been joined by Simone Butts, who once again will read the personal story of one of our listeners, accompanied, as always, by appropriate mood-enhancing music. Take it away, Simone. Our story today comes from an unrepentant man 
some might even say terrorists, who wishes his exploits to be known far and wide. However, to protect the innocent, we will give him a pseudonym and call him simply Guy Spoons. <laughs> now then, Mr Spoons, that's Guy Spoons, not the little man who went to Button Moon in a rocket made out of a funnel and baked bean tin, was a very angry Yorkshireman. He was a fighty little bastard and went off to Spain at a young age <laughs> to get stuck into the Eighty Years' War, where he got a nasty anus wound, as was the custom of the time. But he did learn how to speak a version of Yorkshire Spanish. To Ola, he'd often be heard saying around the streets of Madrid. Or to Protestento, bastardos, he'd shout at his enemies. On his return, he got involved in a dodgy gang of troublemaking hoodlums, or Catholics, as they were known locally who decided they wanted to kill the king because they didn't like his accent or something. Now in those days, kings were a meddlesome bunch, as was the custom of the time. They were always hanging around in the Houses of Parliament, telling MPs what to do or playing pranks by sticking the black rod where it didn't belong. <laughs> So, Guy Fawkes... Oh, shit. <laughs> I think I might have just given away his name, but we'll move swiftly on. I'm leaving that in. So, Guy Spoons... <laughs> Guy Spoons and his friends decided to blow up Parliament when the King was in it. They weren't sure how to do this, so Guy asked one of his clever friends to advise them. She was called Catherine. Catherine Wheel. Catherine Wheel was a girl, which was very rare in those days. Girls were usually either witches, prostitutes or policemen in drag, as was the custom of the time. So Guy's gang listened intently to Catherine's advice. She told them they should use gunpowder, treason and plot. After she had gone, Robert Cakestan said that treason and plot were just concepts and kind of the same thing anyway, so they settled on using gunpowder. It was Guy's job to hide in the basement and light the fuse. And this is where Mr. Spoon's story turns sad. Due to a clumsy leak to an actual lord by one of the more remedial members of the gang, their gunpowder plot was discovered, no fuse was lit, and the king was safe. Their plan was foiled, and they were all killed to death, as was the custom of the time. But to this day, we remember, remember what they did. <laughs> we celebrate the king's survival by setting fires on perfectly good patches of green grass, incinerating potatoes in tin foil, trying to draw a cock and balls in the air with a sparkly stick, and scaring the shit out of our pets. 
It's just what Guy Spoons would have wanted. Afternoon, George. Hello, Pat. I didn't see you there. You've caught me squeezing me plums again. Oh. Ha ha ha. You in this greenhouse. You're never out of here, are you? No, they'll have to carry me out of here in a wooden box, Pat. Oh. <laughs> I just popped round because this is for you. It was delivered to us by mistake. I'm sorry I opened it, but I can see it's official and I thought it was for me. I'm expecting the results back from me smear test. That's all right, Pat. No, it's my renewal forms for my Twilight Life insurance policy. I am in my late 50s after all, so I'm practically dead. And I don't want to leave my daughter, who lives 300 miles away and never comes to see me, with the stress of paying for my funeral now, do I? I've heard about that Twilight Life insurance. They're very good, aren't they? They are, Pat. You should consider them. They guarantee that there's no medical to undertake. Oh, so I don't have to worry about a strange doctor prodding me tits and sticking a finger up me bum. Exactly. But don't you have to keep paying into the policy until death? Otherwise, you don't get a penny back. Which means that you could end up paying them tens of thousands of pounds, more than you can actually claim. Yes, but you do get a £10 gift card for Argos, so it all evens out, really. Well, I think I'll give them a ring right away. Smashing, Pat. In the meantime, why don't you take this basket with you? I've got more than enough in here, as you can see. <laughs> oh, thank you, George. I do love a good nibble on your plums. <laughs> <laughs> I've got the results of your annual checkup, Mr. Williamson. Oh, go on then, Doc. Break it to me gently. Well, your hearing is getting worse, and you must give up drinking, smoking, and sex. What? Just so I can hear better? I'd rather go deaf. This ball's round, you can hear it's coming. His veins are coming up, his head's gonna explode. He's gonna go on and on and on. This pulls rant. <laughs> Ready, rant boy? Yes, I am. Not rent boy. <laughs> Yes, I am I've ready. just started and you did a completely different show. <laughs> Fancy. Okay. Badly designed diaries. Oh, fucking hell. Well, I know, I know I've already banged on before um, about diaries that, yeah, <laughs> that start on Sundays. I mean, that's just ridiculous, right? Yeah. We won't go into that. We've already had that rant, haven't we? Yes. About a weekend yes, is the dear. weekend and it shouldn't start on a Sunday. Yeah. Yes, dear. But do you know what else, right? Because I've just recently, obviously, bought my new diary for 2021. Of course, it'll be busy this year. I was going to say, yeah, it's going to be so busy with all them engagements to write in it. But um, they they keep changing the designs. And you know what really bugs me about diaries, right? (laughs) When they put a calendar, you know, the the little calendar for that month, when they actually put it in one of the days, I like to get a week to view diary yes, right dear. so i've got a lot to write into each day because i like to write everything in that i need to do right mm-hmm. don't be putting a little calendar on on the half of thursday what what does that mean i have to take thursday afternoon off because i can't write anything on this on the on that side of thursdays well, because you've got a street it, you don't work calendar. any other afternoons <laughs> 
That's true. That's true. I shouldn't have a week to view calendar. I should just have a morning's to view calendar. <laughs> Actually, no. Your morning a... starts at eleven a.m. <laughs> I was going to say I should have a sort of brunch to early afternoon calendar. That's what I should have, and no weekends necessary. <laughs> Well, you know, the answer is simple. What? I've always got a simple solution to your problems. Go on then. To your rants. Yeah. When you find one that you like, just buy a few for a few years in advance. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that was a proper joke. I like that. <laughs> you can have that one. <laughs> Getting really angry with trivial, pointless, pathetic little things. That was Paul's rant. Hello, I'm John Harumph, and welcome to Mastermind, the quiz show where you win a fruit bowl and where the questions are ridiculously and needlessly long and convoluted. Uh, can we have our first contender, please? Your name, please? Did we blimp? Occupation? Professional chicken wrestler. And your specialist subject? The Flumps. All right, Deirdre, you have two minutes on 70s children's TV show The Flumps and your needlessly long and convoluted questions start now. What was the name of the actress who narrated the series? Gaither. Ah, you're not allowed to interrupt, Deirdre. Yeah. Educated at a convent in Surrey and subsequently training as an actress at the London Drama School Lambda, which stands for London Academy of Music and Dramatic Arts and whose alumni includes David Suchet, John Lithgow and Gemma Redgrave. She went on to appear in the original cast of the musical Godspell, which is a musical composed by Stephen Schwartz with a book by John Michael Tebelak and opened off-Broadway in 1971. She later made many theatre, television and film appearances, including a 2004 for film version of A Christmas Carol with Kelsey Grammer, who is an American actor, born in 1955, who played Dr. Fraser Crane, firstly in the sitcom Cheers, which was set in a bar in Boston and filmed before a live studio audience, and then afterwards playing the same psychiatrist character in a spin-off sitcom titled Fraser, which was the character's name, and was set in Seattle, which was the character's hometown in which he's resettled, reacquainting himself with family members, his father, played by John Mahoney, and his brother, played by David Hyde Pierce, who went on to create the role of Sir Robin in the musical version of Monty Python's film The Holy Grail, which Eric Idle retitled as Spamalot. Interestingly, Jane Leaves, who plays Daphne Moon in Frasier, appears in the Monty Python film The Meaning of Life as a dancer in the Christmas in Heaven sequence, where Graham Chapman plays a Tony Bennett-style crooner who sings about it being Christmas in Heaven every day in a song written by Idle and Terry Jones. Gaythopa. Correct. The... I've started, so I'll finish. The title of episode six was Balloons, in which the flumps all get up to all kinds of amusing goings-on featuring balloons. A small coloured bag, often made of rubber and sealed at the end where the little hole is, the balloon is usually used as a child's toy, or quite often as a form of decoration at a party, such as for a person's birthday, which is the day when a person celebrates the anniversary of their birth, which is when they had gestated for nine months at the time when you might have heard about it. Strange but true. It's strange but true. Strange but true. It's strange but true. Strange but true. It's strange but true. <laughs> what do you think yeah. was the first toy to be advertised on TV? 
Oh, uh, that's a good one. Um, Thank you. <laughs> is yeah. it? Is it? It's got to be like a classic, like a Barbie or, or Action mm. Man or something like that. Is it? No, nope, I knew you were going to say that. No, go on then. I'll, I'll give you a bit of a clue. It's not something like. Is it like something that Monopoly? Monopoly? No. Nope. Oh. It was in the fifties, nineteen fifty-two. Uh, I don't know. Uh, uh, like an old-fashioned thing, like not conkers, but what was them knackers? Not knackers. No, what was them that conkers game that we? No, was that game we used to play in the schoolyard where it was two things on the end of a string and you used to clackers. Conkers. Cla- no, clackers. They were plastic and they, they got banned. Clackers. <laughs> anyway, I didn't know what was it. What toy was it? Mister Potato Head. Was it really? <laughs> Yeah. In 1952? 1952. I didn't think Mr. Potato Head went back that far. <laughs> He's been around a lot longer than you he was, know. He was only Mr. Potato Seed then. <laughs> <laughs> it was merely the seed in the ground. What was it? Was it just an actual potato that you got sold? <laughs> yeah. stick random bits. Of... It was just a potato and a few lumps of Lego, <laughs> wasn't it? That was the first toy. It was an upgrade on your Christmas than a lump of coal. Yeah. You got a potato <laughs> instead. So that was the first one advertised on the telly yeah. well there you go that is strange but true <laughs> strange but true it's strange but true hi i'm a real person i'm not an actress honestly even though i look like every other female musical theater graduate in spotlight from the last three years anyway i'm a real person I know how to drive a car, I'm capable of organising, booking and going on a two-week holiday, which potentially involves international travel and basic communication in a foreign language. I even understand the basics of Einstein's theory of relativity. But apparently, I don't know how to brush my teeth properly. So I asked my dentist, and he recommended Fellatio V. Hi, I'm a real dentist. I'm not an actor in a white coat, taking a break from his job as reserve swing in some West End Lloyd Webber travesty to do a day's filming. Honestly. And we dentists know how difficult it is for ordinary, real people to grasp the concept of how to brush their teeth. That's why I'm happy to recommend the Fellatio V brand of toothpastes and mechanical brushes. These brushes are designed with a tiny little man inside, on a pedal bike, who pedals really hard when you press the button to make the rotating head go round and round really fast, so you get that deep down clean feeling that you just can't achieve with wiggling a manual brush up and down a few times. So there you go. Even real dentists use Fellatio V toothpaste and toothbrushes to clean their teeth. 51% of 17 dentists who were asked agreed, so it must be true! Now I tell all my friends and we all use Fellatio V. And now we can all eat apples. Hooray! Ladies and gentlemen, we are now approaching the end of episode 18. Please return to your seat, extinguish (laughs) cigarettes... Fasten your seatbelt and make sure your tray is locked in the upright position. Thank you for flying. Happy hour hair. Happy hour. Happy hour. Happy hour hair. I can't. Careful. Thank you. Thank you for flying. Happy hour hair. Happy hour. Happy hour. How do you speak? Happy hour hair. Happy hour. Oh.
bollocks to this. Thanks we hope for flying you, with us. You have an enjoyable onward journey. <laughs> See you on the next show. Christ, that link went well, didn't it? <laughs> Happy Hour Hair. <laughs> balloons which children used long before the advent of computer technology as a fun war simulation game in which they throw water-filled balloons at each other with the sole purpose of slightly dampening their assailant and also using different and elongated shaped balloons in the sculpting of so-called balloon animals traditionally adopted as an activity by clowns or children's entertainers in general. What is a balloon usually filled with? Air? Correct. And at the end of that two-minute round on the flumps, Deirdre, you have no passes and you've scored two points. <laughs> you have been listening to Paul and Nessa's Happy Hour. Conceived, <laughs> written and performed by Paul Dunn and Nessa Karen. Sketches were written by Paul Dunn and Nessa Karen. Magala was written by Tim Gambrell. It featured the additional voices of David Foster, Rachel Swan and Jordan Todd. Incidental music was by Kevin MacLeod at incompetech.filmmusic.highhall. The script editor was Paul Dunn. Happy Hour is a Crank Anvil production. Bye. Bye bye.